1: Did you know that the Bible wants you to prosper in material things and be in good physical health even as your soul prospers? 3 John verse 2 says, "Beloved, concerning all things, I wish that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." We can all relate to prosperity in material things and good physical health, which are important. But how many of us understand what the Apostle John meant when he talked about our soul prospering? This is Matt Miller, and Francis Ball is with me to begin the life study from John's third epistle. Welcome back to the program, Francis.
2: Very happy to be here, Matt. Thank you.
1: Francis, we've got a very enjoyable program today, I would say, that's going to cover a fair amount of ground. Could you give an overview of the program, for our listeners, before we dive into it today.
2: Well, this is a marvelous and encouraging portion of John's writings. In this third epistle, he's really touching the matter of enjoying the triune God who is in the believer as the Spirit. And this is the truth that we will enjoy today, to see how this reality is in us to be enjoyed by us And we will cover about eight verses, I think, of this epistle. The first eight
1: verses, that's right.
2: So we're looking forward to this uh, revelation concerning our
1: prosperity. In kind of a summary, Francis, I'd like to uh, kind of break those two sections up. There's an introduction to the epistle in the first four verses. And then in the second four verses, we talk about the hospitality to the traveling workers, which is actually the title of the Life Study Message. Can you give a quick summary of the introduction? and then also this second half about the hospitality to the
2: traveling workers. Well, in the first four verses, what he's talking about is his enjoyment of this brother gave him because of how he had treated the workers that came through the church where Gaius was. And then uh, he said also in this that he was so happy to find that his children, that means his spiritual offspring— we 're walking in the truth, and I think the main thing we need to see today is what is this truth we 've had it in first John in our study there, and in second John repeated it in a kind of a warning way of not to leave the truth, but here he 's commending one who 's walking in this truth, and so we need to see in the second part what is this truth well francis i 'm um, looking forward to the life
1: study program even there 's this uh, phrase that concludes this. Life study portion that we're going to cover in verse 8, which is going to stress what you just said. We therefore ought to support such ones that we may become fellow workers in the truth. You mentioned that the main thing that we need to see today is this matter of the truth, and the hospitality given
2: is a hospitality for the ones who are taking care of the truth. This is really marvelous. John's writings are really quite deep and quite marvelous. When we get into them, we see he covers our whole being. Even in this short portion, he's covering our prosperity in physical things and in health and also in truth. Well, that's a good segue into the first section
1: with Witness Lee Francis because that's what he's going to talk about here is his introduction when he starts out addressing Gaius, this brother in the church there, who was—obviously, he was prospering in the soul. Yes. And the apostle expressed a wish that he would also prosper in material things and be in good health, even as his soul prospered. So let's go to Witness Lee and get into this phrase. What does it mean for you to prosper in your soul? Here's Witness Lee.
3: The subject of the book is encouraging to the fellow workers in the truth. We get on verse 2, beloved, concerning all things I wish that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. We all know what is to uh, prosper. And we also know what is to be well in health. But uh, not many of us do know what is the soul prospering. The soul is contained in the body, and the soul itself is the vessel to contain the spirit. With the believer, God as the Spirit dwells in his regenerated spirit and spreads this the crucial part from his spirit to saturate his soul that it might be transformed to express him. This is the prosperity of the believer's soul. Our soul prospers in this way when our soul is occupied and directed. By the Spirit of God, through our spirit, to direct and use our body for God's purpose, it prospers. Our body prospers in health, and our life, our living, we prosper in so many uh, material things, but our soul has to prosper in the divine life. In other words, what is the prosperity of our soul? That is the spreading of the divine life into our soul. I hope that we all could see this and seek after this that we may have adequate experience of such a prosperity of the divine life into our soul. This greeting, I may say, is very, very particular and unique in the entire Bible, especially in the New Testament. The New Testament is a book on the spiritual prosperity, uh, not so much on material things or bodily health. Yet, uh, John, such a writer of divine things, he would wish that his recipient may prosper even in the material things and in body health.
1: Francis, I really like this desire of the Apostle John that the recipient of this epistle, which was Gaius, or even us today, would prosper in material things and in bodily health, just as the soul prospers. When some people read this verse, I think they only focus on this matter of prosperity or health, which I don't want to minimize, but they miss the matter of the soul prospering. And that's what I want you to develop right now.
2: There's a marvelous footnote in the recovery version on this verse I think would help us a lot. I'd just like to read that in answer to your question. Man is of three parts, a spirit, a soul, and a body. The soul is the organ that mediates between the body and the spirit. It possesses our self-consciousness that man may have his personality. It is contained in the body and also is the vessel to contain the spirit. As to the believer, God as the spirit dwells in his regenerated spirit and spreads from his spirit to saturate his soul that it may be transformed to express God. This is the prosperity of the believer's soul. When our soul is occupied and directed by the Spirit of God through our spirit so that it directs and uses our body for God's purposes, it prospers. The apostle wished that the recipient of this letter, who was a beloved brother, outstanding in such a prosperity of his soul, might prosper in all things and in bodily health, just as his soul prospered in the divine life. So his soul prospered already.
1: Yeah. That was quite a testimony. I wonder how many of us today, if the apostle were to write us a letter, he would say that our soul is prospering and he wants us to prosper materially and physically as much as our soul is prospering,
2: which means we need to be prospering in the divine life. I'm afraid that's not too well known among Christians, that they need to prosper in their soul in this way, not by knowledge simply but by experience of the Spirit and their spirit invading or extending into the
1: soul. You know, I think a verse in Ephesians chapter 3 might uh, help explain this or describe what the Apostle John's talking about when the Apostle Paul prayed for Christ to make his home in your heart. Oh, as Christ spreads from our spirit, he's spreading to make his home in our heart, so many parts of our heart, and then as he spreads into our heart, we're prospering in our soul. Our soul can only prosper when Christ is spreading there to make his home. Oh, that is good. Well, Francis, let's go on to verse 3, which says, For I rejoiced greatly at the brother's coming and testifying to your steadfastness in the truth, even as you walk in truth. Here's Witness Lee. Verse 3.
3: For I rejoiced greatly at the brother's coming And testifying to your truth, very peculiar, to your truth, even as you walk in truth. What is your truth? The thought here is very, very deep. This means the objective truth now becomes so subjective in your daily walk. And this truth is just the divine reality of Christ's deity. You walk, you live, you behave in the divine reality which you enjoy of the triune God. And this enjoyment shapes your work. you see, shapes your way of life. Your way of life is determined by this reality. This means your way of life is molded, shaped, determined by what you have seen and enjoyed as the reality. That is, the triune God becoming your enjoyment. What was in the writer of the three pieces was just the concern for the enjoyment of the triune God. This was his concern. Today, our concern is the same. The Bible reveals to us that God is edible. What is revealed first, right after man's creation? The tree of life. Then, in God's redemption and salvation typified by the history of Israel. What was there the first thing? The eating of the lamb. Then when they got into the wilderness every day, They ate what? Manna. And everybody knows today that manna was a type of Christ. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and I am edible. He that eats me, you have to learn to eat me. So, dear saints, you have to see that what is the divine reality in the New Testament. That is, The triune God, the Father in the Son, and the Son becoming the Spirit. This triune God, hallelujah, becomes our subjective enjoyment. Not a kind of theology, not a kind of creed, a kind of belief. No, but a subjective enjoyment.
1: Well, the Apostle John rejoiced at the testimony of Gaius, that he was steadfast in the truth and walked in the truth, yet this wasn't just a doctrinal truth. Francis, I'd like you to develop what Witness Lee means here by this term related to the truth, subjective enjoyment.
2: I believe, Matt, this is one of the most marvelous revelations concerning our walk that there is in the New Testament that's been brought out in this ministry over these years, and I would hope many of our listeners would realize what it is to walk in the truth. Because this truth is not just a doctrine, a teaching, but this truth is the reality of Christ being in us as the Spirit, the triune God being real to us, because now He's the Spirit in our spirit. And to walk in that light, that's to walk in that truth. When we make these teachings real to ourselves by living one spirit with the Lord, we will be walking in the truth. And this is what was making the apostle so happy with Gaius, was because he was a person in his behavior, in his caring for the fellow workers that he entertained, and so on. He was one who was walking in his truth. We need to make this truth our truth, that is, the enjoyment of God in our spirit, to be our truth, saturating our soul so that we are walking in truth.
1: Francis, Witness Lee used a term in this last section where he said that God is edible. I think this is maybe strange language for people. Of course, if you think about it, he was the bread of life to be eaten. So, of course, God is edible. How does this apply to this matter of subjective
2: enjoyment? Well, eating is probably one of the most enjoyable things that a human being does. And over and over, both in the Old Testament by type and in the New Testament by specific words, we're told that Jesus is edible. He said, He that eats me, even he shall live because of me. So our enjoyment of Christ is by eating Him. And we eat Him by His Word, by His moving in our spirit, by our contacting Him by prayer. We can eat the Lord, take into us Something that was outside of us now is in us. We take him in and into our soul by exercising to call on his name and by exercising our innermost being, our spirit, where he is so we can know Christ as our life, as our truth, as our enjoyment, as everything to us. I think this really helps us to realize what it means to eat the Lord and for him to be
1: edible to us. You know, Francis, I know some people who take the word in a lot. You know, I, I agree with what you just said, that we eat the Lord. We enjoy the Lord through his word. Some people take the word in a lot, and they fill their mind with the word, but they never eat the Lord. Right. It's a real difference, isn't it? That you could be just know the mental word, but the way it becomes practical is to pray over the word.
2: Yes, right. And that the reason is because to pray is to use our spirit, not just our mind, our emotion, our will, our soul, but to pray is to get, use our spirit. And by that way, he becomes eaten by us. And becomes us. Second Timothy three
1: sixteen says that all scripture is God's breath. Yes. Or given by inspiration of God. That's God's breathing out is the Bible. We need to come to the Bible
2: to breathe it in through our prayer and our opening to the Lord in a prayerful way. And the word becomes the Spirit in this way, so that it's not just doctrine, but it becomes our life, and that's our enjoyment. I can testify this is the enjoyment of the Lord as life to us. Which becomes our subjective enjoyment. Right. Which
1: becomes the food to us, which becomes our reality. Amen. Well, let's go on to the last portion with Witness Lee. I'd like to read verses 5 through 8 as we go there. Beloved, you do faithfully in whatever you have wrought for the brothers, and this for strangers, who testified to your love before the church, whom you will do well to send forward in a manner worthy of God. For on behalf of the name, they went out, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to support such ones that we may become fellow workers in the truth. Let's go to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study.
3: The time, God today is just the Spirit. And the Spirit today is within your spirit. You may consider the spirit as the extract of the triangle. Turn to spirit and stay there and exercise it and call on the name through your spirit and read the Holy Word by prayer reading You enjoy him. And this Enjoyment will shape your way of life. Now, verse five, "Beloved, you do faithfully, in whatever you may, have a route for the brothers, and these for tenders. This indicates hospitality rendered to those brothers who went out for the truth. Those brothers were not acquainted by the uh, recipient of the epistle, so they were strangers to him. Verse 6, Who testified to your love before the church, whom you will do well to send forward worthily of God? The sending forward should be in a manner that matches God, who is generous. You have to help them Generously. In the apostles' time the brothers who worked for God took nothing from the pagans. So the apostle encouraged the believers to support this work for God's economy. Then verse 7, we therefore ought to support such that we may become fellow workers in the truth. If we support The uh, traveling workers, we participate in the work. Then we uh, become fellow workers of uh, the work in the church.
1: Francis, as we come to our conclusion of the life study today, I just wanted to remind the listeners that the title of this message is Hospitality to the traveling workers, which summarizes these four verses we just read. And I think this is an important verse. I'd like you to explain more what it means practically, because I think some people may not even understand this.
2: I'm afraid you're right, because this is not a common thought among Christians when visiting brothers come to speak or to minister in a certain locality. This is really talking about supporting these kind of co-workers with the apostle, when they go out, they are not taking anything for their support or for their uh, hospitality from the unbelievers, but the brothers are encouraged to support these kind. In the second epistle of John, which was covered in another broadcast, they were warned against uh, those who did not bring this truth. In other words, the truth we were talking about at that time was the anointing of the Spirit in our spirit. If people would stand against that anointing or would teach different from that anointing, then that is an indication that they should not be the ones to support what the anointing is putting in these brothers when they come to minister the Word. Those workers or those co-workers, when they move about traveling to minister the truth to people so that they are really not obligated, but they are privileged to support such ones and become co-workers together with them, supporting the believers with this truth, that is, the truth of Christ being in our spirit, making his home in our heart and spreading to our soul. This is the truth that will produce the body of Christ to be the real expression of the Lord on this earth. So when we have those kind of ministers, ministering brothers, we should support them. And this is what John is talking about with uh, Gaius. Well, when you mentioned Paul, Paul also talked
1: about this matter of hospitality. And I'll mention two verses for those who want to go look in their Bible. Paul mentioned this matter in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. He said to pursue hospitality. Yes. And he also mentioned this matter in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. I think we all need to pursue hospitality. That's right. Provide hospitality and support for those who minister this truth. Because they shouldn't receive their support from the heathens or the pagans or the unbelievers. That's right. That would be a shame. And I do like the word that he used there, that it should be worthy of God, Uh which means it should be good support. Yeah, it shouldn't just generous. Be, it shouldn't be your leftovers. <laughs> yeah, right. It should be something worthy of God. Amen. That was the word the Apostle John used. I really like this portion. I think it's very enjoyable, practical. I hope the listeners would go back and read these verses again and get into it. Francis, I feel
2: like these two epistles, Second and Third John, have really given us two sides of one truth. That is, the truth is the reality of Christ in us as the Spirit. And to not take that truth, we miss God's point. But to take that truth, then we should support those who minister this truth. So this is the fellowship we have, one with another, in the truth. Francis, we've run out of time. Thanks for coming in and doing
1: this program with me today. Thank you. And thank you also for joining us for the last half hour. If you'd like to get the printed materials that go along with this life study, you can call us at 1- 888-LIFE-STUDY that's 1-888-543-3788 on behalf of Francis Ball this is Matt Miller thank you for listening today and we hope you'll come back for the next program where we'll finish the life study of 3rd John
0: The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament, Tabernacle, and Offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the Tabernacle. The fulfillment of the Tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164.